0: Welcome to Tales from the Bridge. This is episode 66 and we're talking about Dennis E. Taylor's We're Legion, We're Bob. Two thumbs up by some of us, one thumb up by one of us. But overall, we love the book. It's a fun one. Next week, David Zendel joins us on the bridge, so we're happy to have David back with us. Alright, everyone's waiting for us. Let's make our way over to the bridge.
1: Have you ever been in a video game and you found a bug or you found an exploit or something that allows you to level up quickly or find points or get free something or other? I don't know if any of you guys have ever experienced this before. Like, you know, you find you sit underneath that thing in Super Mario Brothers and just keep getting coins and coins and coins and coins. Um, In the real world, that doesn't really exist, right? You can't get free energy. There's no such things as perpetual motion machines. I was listening to a gentleman by the name of David Kipping, who's an astrophysicist at Columbia University. And he has actually a really cool idea for hacking the universe to get some free energy. And uh, And when I was listening to him, I thought, well, this, this is a whack job. But what he was suggesting was about how you could create a space propulsion system using black holes. And, and I heard that, and he says, this is science fiction, you know, come on. But what he describes is a way to propel spaceships between black holes, using lasers that you shoot into a black hole. And, and I mean, obviously, that sounds like something completely out there and crazy. But what he describes is you shoot a laser, let's say it's like a red laser, and you shoot it just above the event horizon around a black hole. And presumably, we'd have to be able to get to a black hole, which we cannot do. And presumably, you'd have to make a pretty darn strong laser to be able to shoot around the event horizon of a, a black hole and come out the other side. Because what would happen is, is it would bend it, and it would come back out if you get just the right angle. And when it comes back at you, it's been blue shifted. It's been the energy level is higher. So you get more energy out of it because of Hawking radiation, as I understand, or something like that. And you can propel yourself with this these lasers. So he describes this idea of being able to transit around the universe uh, or around the galaxy, going from black hole to black hole to accelerate yourself and to decelerate yourself using these lasers. And this is a concept I've never heard in science fiction. Have you guys ever heard this before? Or, I don't know, it seems plausible. It feels like some science fiction author needs to take this up and write about
0: it. Well, I already tried this, and... uh... It didn't really work, so <laughs> I, I guess. Well, then there I've we go. Let's call them
2: up.
0: Season. Yeah, no, that's quite fascinating. I, I, and I just want to know physically, what, what would the size of a laser like this, like in diameter even, and like what, what, what size does it need to be to have that kind of strength to withstand going in and out of a black
1: hole? I think it doesn't go minutes. into the black hole. I think it would have to skirt just or around the around edges the, of it. And I think it would have to be pretty big it. because the incremental growth of energy of the laser that goes around it would have to be such that it propels you on the other side of it. And so I got to imagine you got to have a crud ton of energy, like fusion style. But what really got me was the idea that you could get energy for nothing. I mean, that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. That surprises me that you can get more energy by swinging a beam around there. Cause usually what like Hawking radiation is, is when, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure how it applies to this, but a Hawking radiation is like, so quantum mechanically particles and antiparticles pop into existence all the time. And then they annihilate each other all the time. And so it's like splitting zero and a positive and negative and it going back. And then near the event horizon, when that event happens in just the right spot, one of those particles is eaten by the black hole and the other one shoots out. And so that's the radiation part, right? Like you're sort of taking energy from the vacuum, I guess, right? Um, Like there's nothing. Then two particles are created Usually they would destroy each other and you're back to nothing. One gets eaten and so now the other one gets away. And so suddenly you've sort of got a particle coming out of nothing, coming out of the vacuum. And that's Hawking radiation. What would happen with a laser around the edge? I mean, it seems to me like some of the photons would get eaten by the He says that energy is up. You have less coming out.
1: He describes it like if you shoot a red laser around it, it would blue shift. And so it start, it moves up the energy spectrum, and and so there's an incremental energy increase, um, and so that would be, in a, in my mind energy from nothing. And, and I don't understand how that works. But he, he, he describes this as a hack in a video game or an exploit or a quick way to level up, which I can understand. And and I thought that was pretty cool.
2: Although it sort of wouldn't be free, right? Like you're, They're in a black hole. It's it's the energy of an entire sun in there, right? Uh, you've, you've had a, a whole star get collapsed down into a point. And so there is a ton of energy, presumably somehow sitting inside that. And this is a hack to somehow get some of the energy back out. guess uh from the black hole um Mm -hmm. hmm, interesting that makes sense but yeah so you can imagine now these are like kind of like mirrors that you can push and black holes could become mirrors that you can push and pull against right and so you've got a black hole behind you that you use to accelerate yourself and you've got another black hole that you use in front of you to decelerate and you can imagine mapping out you know all the black holes in the region and depending on where you aim your your lasers right you can sort of have that come back to you as a as a push-pull mechanism that's pretty cool i don't know
1: i thought so but, you And know, that was what he push, said the natural way state the the natural waypoint stations all around the galaxy suddenly these 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 black holes become little centers of civilizations of where you could you can move around from um and the problem is of course that black holes are hard to see because it's it's very hard to get any light or information from them.
2: Yeah. It sort of suggests that that's a great spot. If we do find a black hole, we just go send a probe to orbit there for a while and see who shows up. Uh, Mm -hmm. Since these are sort of like interesting way stations in the universe, in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Cool. But you know, pushing and pulling yourself with lasers. I mean, photons exert some pressure, but not that much. Like usually when you talk about using lasers to, to move, You know, spaceships, they're very, very small. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, you know, they're kind of like a chip, right? That we're planning on sending over to take a picture of a star with an enormous sail. And then you you can sort of shoot a laser at it, and it would take a really long time to accelerate. Um, I would find it very difficult to imagine like a big starship being uh, pushed effectively by a laser beam.
1: Yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe it'd have to be small, those little micro interstellar objects that that would probably be the most likely mm-hmm. candidate for this working
2: but that sounds very cool that's the, so tell us about this where did you hear about this kevin uh, there's
1: a gentleman named david kipping and uh he he's written books he has a, a big youtube channel uh and he talks about alien civilizations he talks uh he talks about what we would need to do to detect alien civilizations um and he's 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 a great critical thinker so he's certainly not he, he's certainly not pro everything is alien. That's not his thing. Um, and he is a true astrophysicist. He publishes a lot. Um, but he also has a great way of articulating what he the scientific stuff to people if, to the average Joe. Uh, so I heard of him on Lex Friedman uh, on a podcast with him, and uh, that was a fascinating interview, which I highly recommend.
2: Very cool. We've been talking about fusion a lot in in the last few episodes. It keeps coming up and uh, yeah, Lex Friedman. I uh, had a great interview with, I believe it was Dennis White, um, who's a MIT researcher in fusion. And that was the first Lex Friedman interview I listened to. And it was great, like really, really great. Uh, and this guy is really making it happen. It's not just that he's a prof. I mean, he's been doing fusion research for, you know, his whole life. But he's now launched a company um, to miniaturize a, the, the Tokamak um that that sort of the international collaboration's been building this huge one right and there's basically been an advance in laser technology uh magnet technology uh to be able to miniaturize this 40 times and he thinks they're gonna like start pumping energy into the grid in like four years um so anyway lex friedman talks to a lot of great people and uh that's another interesting one to look up uh, dennis white
0: For the book of the month we read we are legion we are bob by dennis c e. taylor uh this is one of the easiest books for myself to read in the past few years where i just picked it up and uh the pages just turned themselves i have started to listen to the second one uh, actually i'm almost done the second one uh we for we are many uh, not as good as the first because, and maybe that's because the first was so exciting to be like, "Oh wow, this is really cool and so fresh and new." Um, however, we'll just stick to talking about the first one. I really enjoyed it because it uh, it is it's not complex, it's not heavy, it's not super sophisticated. The language is not brilliant. Uh, however it just tells you a great story it really kind of reminded me of um another book that we all really liked not to compare the two in any sense because they're very different they did have the same narrator ray porter for the audiobook project hail mary Mary. that they're kind of i mean it's a first person storytelling Uh, of someone who's going on this journey into deep space and they're trying to figure out what to do next. And there's something similar about that and there's something I really enjoy about that. Just being one person, being put into a very difficult situation, but kind of having fun doing it, even though it's probably the most stressful thing that you would ever be faced with. Um, So the concept of the book is simply that our main character uh, signs up for something um, in which their consciousness will be put into a computer, and they wake up many, many years later, and they are—I think—they are the only surviving um, person or consciousness in the computer. Is that right? Or there's, or the help well, that's know, how it's. There's others. There's, there's others. Yeah. There are a few mm-hmm. others. Yeah. Right. That's a, so he so he becomes basically uh, a computer or a, a human consciousness in a computer that. Uh, is put into a Von Neumann self-replicating machine and is blasted into space. And you have this amazing story. Uh, The main character ends up replicating himself into different versions of himself. All of them are a little bit different as their experiences are a little bit different. They go to different areas of the solar system and the galaxy um some of them stay on earth and their goal is to basically get some of the surviving humans off of earth and we don't really know where they're headed or where they're going necessarily uh, until later on and um, there's also meeting new creatures on another planet there's a lot going on but it's so simple the storytelling is the way that dennis e taylor tells the story it's so fun it's uh, there's a lot of pop culture references uh, a lot of star trek um and it's just, uh, it's an easy book to read. And I highly recommend this to anyone who's not even a big reader of sci-fi. So if someone wants an easy book or you want to buy someone a present, um, or, uh, I, I highly recommend this one because it's just an easy pickup um, for any reader. It doesn't take much. It's exciting. And it's it's it seems like an old idea, this whole human brain in a computer. And then becoming a self-replicating machine. I mean something about that seems so simple and obvious yet uh, it might be one of the first times we've read it in a book and I just loved it. Thought it was fantastic, super fun. Uh, What did you guys think?
1: I really liked this book as well. This was, as you say, very accessible, the Von Neumann machine replication. You're right. It's such a simple concept, but if you think about it, this is a human level intellect inside of a computer that has an atomic level 3D printer. So it can print anything, right? It could replicate itself with its own 3D printer. It could come up with better designs for itself. Um, And if you have infinite time, if you can crank up your your speed of thinking and you're an intelligent person like, like Bob is, our main character, he can come up with great solutions to a lot of mankind's problems and this is what he does he he figures out uh how to do faster than light communications so and he can he can do that in such a way that it enables him to talk to his other bobs uh so if you have these this uploaded consciousness and you have it off you've got this super intelligence concept of being able to ratchet up speed and then you can 3d print yourself and replicate the, the possibilities of moving through the galaxy suddenly become pretty high and you don't need to stay at speeds that are we meet sack humans can travel through space at. he can ratchet up the g's travel at you know uh, uh, 50 g's of acceleration and deceleration without harming himself um yeah it, it makes the story very plausible and very interesting i have to say E. taylor uh who by the way is a canadian author uh i think his he's he's a bit of a, a tech bro so when i read this i i get the impression that it's written by a tech pro for tech pros and uh and i don't mean that too negatively i loved it i thought it was really good but there weren't a lot of female characters in in the book um that's something that i would i would note um and definitely the audience is people who really like th- this type of sci-fi which is honestly it's me but i can see how a lot of people might not connect with this um if they are, if they don't have that type of sensibility. Um, with that said, I immediately went on to the next one and I really want to re- do the third one as well. So I had, I had a blast listening to these and I also listened to them. I love Ray Porter. He's such a great narrator. So I do, I do two thumbs up myself for this book.
2: Well, I'll do, I'll do one thumb up. Um, and I also have to echo what you said, Kevin. I mean, it's just, it's a, such a guy book. Um, maybe not just in terms of the tech bro and what's the, the subject matter, but there are like zero female voices in the first one. And I think one, you know, somebody must've mentioned it to him <laughs> in the second one. Uh, there is a female character. Um, but, it, but just sort of as a love interest to the main, you know, to the bobs and, you, you know, you're replicating bobs. So it's a whole lot of the same guy, you know, with tweaks and differences. And, and I did, I love the story. Uh, of the first one, especially, and the second one, I agree too, Tristan. I listened to it, and it was a little bit too much more of the same. Um, it you know, it kind of faded in my interest. Um, but it's a great audiobook, uh, and it's a great audiobook in the car. I find so I listen to all this stuff in my car because it's just got the right structure. Uh, you know, it's short chapters, lots going on. You'd like you know, literally just driving the groceries, you can take in one chapter and today i drove four hours you know to and from peterborough and i think i finished the most of the second book (laughs) um and uh you know what i what i will say i do like that's unique about this book is that he turns a lot of tropes on their head um you know instead of the prime directive which we're all so used to it's like it's, it's kind of weird when you think about it, like we're all like, oh, that's a law, you know, though you you can't interfere because Star Trek. said so and and he sort of takes this and puts it on his head. Is like, actually, it's not a law. I could do whatever I want. And so he just like finds an intelligent species that really moves him and, and he wants to protect them and he wants to help them. and he becomes the sky god, you know, uh, the sky Bob. Um, and uh, I thought that was great. Right. It's just a story I haven't heard before because there's such a I don't know. Uh, nobody writes about that. But uh, why not? So he he turns that on its head. And I've noticed a few other tropes, sort of standard sci fi tropes that he sort of, I think, quite consciously just kind of thinks, turns on their head. And he's like, well, let's do it backwards. Let's do it the inverse of what you're what most people do with that story. So I thought it was I appreciated it. And I think it's uh, it's a good beach read. Um, you know, in the middle of the winter, it's a car. Listen, but uh, it's the kind of book that's kind of like it's candy. And uh, there's certainly room for candy in the world. Uh,
3: yep yeah, you uh, you uh, you put it perfectly there for for me. It I uh, totally agree. It was a, it's a beach read that I've been listening to in the car. And I'm not an audiobook guy, so this is the first time I've actually given audiobooks a try. because uh, that was the only way I could get to the book. Uh, so there's he it's very limited space. You can only get it through Amazon. So if you don't have a Kindle, you've got to download it on Audible. So I was a little miffed about about that at first, about that sort of restrictive access. Um, But I started playing in the car, commuting to work, and I was like, this is perfect. Like, it's not in-depth enough that it's going to distract me from driving. I can drive safely. I can listen to it. And um, it's like a beach read with ADHD for dudes is sort of like, you know, cause it's each chapter is so quick, right? Like each chapter would be like five minutes and you're in another world. So as you, as the bobs populate the galaxy, you've got dozens of bobs and they kind of give themselves different names, but it all kind of like, you just kind of try and track the storylines after a while. And so it almost doesn't matter. Uh, and, um uh, and it covers it all like he covers there's he gets pretty sciency at times in a in an accessible way there's anthropology there's war there's aliens there's alien war uh there's human civilization building and pop culture references like there's a little bit there's something for everyone i think and and it's uh in for the audiobook it's the narrator's great but i love that you that you both pointed out the lack of women. And then when he does introduce a woman, a a female character, like a a sort of main character in one of the storylines, it's narrated by the guy. So it's even like, even the woman is like, got a dude putting on a girl's voice. And that's kind of weird, right? Like there was like, we couldn't afford... Uh, the actor money for one more voice actor. <laughs> so we're going to put it on this poor narrator to, 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 to do everybody. And that, that, that was a, that's a bit of a, I find it, if it was a serious book, it would take me out of it, but it's not a serious read. So it's fine. Um, uh, but it is, I'm on book three, so I can't, I'm clearly a customer here. Uh, so I've been, and it, cause I've been going to into the office a little more. So I'm on, on, Oh, quarter of the way through the third book. And yeah, it's totally fun. I needed a, a break from, uh, the Kim, Kim, Stanley Robinson book I was reading and this is the perfect break from it. And then I'm kind of going back and forth. Um, but yeah, I, I could tell you, but by the third book, not a lot has changed in terms of style. Like it's the same book three times over and I'm, I suspect that's, and, and that's fine. Uh, um, I uh, I've been enjoying it. I get a real kick out of it for all those same reasons that you, you all have mentioned. Like it's a it's an easy, fun read. And uh, um, in terms of the prime directive thing that you brought up there, Marty, I'm the same way. I, I love that he like totally's like, no, I'm gonna play God because that's what I would do. I would be like, screw it. I I will be your lord and savior, you know, and I wouldn't even be a good god. Like I would be one who was feared. I should not be given any any power whatsoever, you know. If if so, like just I would be a petty tyrant, is what it would be. Except, you know, so it's just a good thing I'm nobody because it would all go terribly wrong. Would I ever be given that sort of level of power? Anyways, yeah, it's a so, good uh, thing
1: we don't live in the Samaverse.
3: <laughs> yeah, you're all very fortunate. You're all very fortunate, and I'll do the the world a favor if, like, freezing my brain becomes an option, I'll forego it and spare you all. Okay. Uh, yeah, any future tyranny.
1: Thanks, Sam.
2: Cool. Who's whose well, book of the month is it? It's me. Marty it's again. Oh Ooh, man, Marty again. It's been forever, man. Forever. <laughs> I've been I'm excited to pick a book.
0: So That's what you say every time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I spend four months reading furiously to try to find something worthy, uh, and so I'm very excited about this month. Yes, my turn to pick a book, and the book is *Beggars in Spain* by Nancy Cress, which is certainly a good antidote uh, to uh, the 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 surfeit of of guyness that that we just talked about from from the Bobiverse. So Nancy Cress uh, wrote a novella in 1991, I believe, uh, called Beggars in Spain, and it won both the Hugo and the Nebula, I believe. Uh, so it was, uh, and she'd been writing, I think, for a while. This was sort of a big success for her, and then she expanded that novella into a novel called Beggars in Spain uh, in 1995, I believe um, and 1993. Uh, and you know, I, it's, it just blew me away. I gotta say, it's one of these books that like, ah, I just devoured it. Um, it hit all the themes that I'm kind of really interested in. Um, it's got a, uh, you know, I read every time I read science fiction by women, it, it really hits me that it's more literary than, than a lot of the science fiction by men that I read. And I don't want to, you know, pigeonhole anybody, but but I am after that literary sort of quality um, where, you know, you read a book that it might be science fiction or it might not, but, you know, it really comes across as like a piece of literature that's not necessarily like genre fiction, like sci-fi, but it happens to have all these themes and it's clearly science fiction. Um, but it's just really well-written. The characters are, are really uh, grab you. The story is really simple, in a sense, it starts simple. So the premise is um, the first, uh, the first um, genetically modified uh, property of a human. Now, I can't do this. Hold on, you're gonna have to cut that. The, the premise is that, um, that people learn to genetically modify like embryos, right? The first thing that they modify babies uh, to be that there is the ability to not need sleep. Okay, so you want to add an advantage to your children, you want to give them an advantage over their peers, uh, you give them an extra eight hours a day, uh, where they don't need to sleep. Okay, and so this is kind of like stands in as a superpower, um, but quite a feasible sort of superpower, um, where, you know, you, you you suddenly have two classes of people, you have people that don't need to sleep, and you have people that do. And so suddenly, the people that don't need to sleep just accelerate, you know, way past uh, their peers, and they're able to Simply do more, study harder, work harder, and uh, get further ahead in life. So that's like a pretty plausible thing. I don't know if it's biologically plausible, if it's ever going to be possible. Um, but it's, you know, it's sort of used as this novum in in this book to talk about the kind of split in society, the social... Um, Consequences of having two different kinds of people—you know, people that have an advantage over other people—and uh, then regular people—and then the whole thing just like blows up. So, um, beggars in Spain, I think, is is just an excellent book. It really explores all the issues that would arise socially, economically, politically uh, from you know being able to give your babies an advantage that other people don't have. And then it was so good that uh, it, it, so she she continued on with a trilogy. So there's a second book called Beggars and Choosers and a third book called Beggars Ride. And I like literally read the last page of Beggars in Spain and I went to my bookshelf and I picked the second one right off the bookshelf and started reading it right away. Uh, it was that good. Usually I need a break between books, but I just like I couldn't stop. So they've all I mean, the first one's the best the second and third are pretty good. And she just takes this idea and just pushes it further and further and further. Uh, And I, I loved it. So I hope you guys like it too. We'll talk about it in more detail next time.
1: I'm excited. So is this the novella that we're reading or is it the novel?
2: The novel. Yeah. Read the novel. Um, The novella is kind of hard to find. I do have it uh, in a collection somewhere and I've been wanting to go back and it's a lot like, like blood music was a novella that was turned into a novel Right. And uh and same story with this. And you know, it's quite different experience reading the novella version versus the novel. But uh I think, you know, the novel's excellent. It's just really, really good. Um and I've also learned something that you know what, I like maybe I'm a child of the nineties. I am a child of the nineties. Like I was in high school in the nineties. Um and I like science fiction from the nineties, you know, it's there's something that is kind of I don't know, unique and, and different about Science fiction from that age because it was just before computers exploded and took over everything. And, you know, science fiction since the 90s is just so heavy on AI and computers and all this stuff. And it's kind of refreshing to just go back to this earlier age where. Uh, you know, it's not all about computers all the time, and this is a this is a you know it falls in the whole categ- uh, biological sci-fi sort of category. It's a lot like Blood Music in that sense, right? It, it, um, it it's contemplating you know the consequences of genetic manipulation uh, and what you know the kind of technologies we can develop, uh, you know, with with genetics. And I think that might actually be actually starting to come to fruition today. So it's really interesting to go back to this simpler time. Uh, where people were thinking forward into, like, what would happen? What's possible? What will happen when we can manipulate the genes and and, and uh, organisms, not just of animals and plants, but maybe our own babies? So, yeah. Well, for
3: trivia this week, in celebration of uh, Kim Stanley Robinson being on the episode, I have... Uh, five questions where you will have to identify the famous Stanley or Kim that I have come up with. All right. So our very
1: <laughs> okay.
3: He's <laughs> <laughs> just got so many names to choose from. It was it wasn't hard to do. All right. This very famous Stanley debuted is an actor who debuted whose film debut was Pritzi's Aren't Honor uh, during the mid eighties. Stanley Kubrick. Nope. Actor, actor, Stanley, St-
0: Stanley Tucci.
3: Yes, Tristan, you're on the board oh. with one. Um, th- our next very famous Stan is has got a thing for men in tights.
2: Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only Stan I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have, and your <laughs> they tend to have superpowers. Stanley
0: Kubrick question now.
2: They tend to have. Oh, Stanley. There you go. All right.
3: Are, of course. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, this is a tough one. All right. This, Kim, was played, hails from Saskatoon and played a biker on Sons of Anarchy. No, this oh, is a hard one. No, okay, well, uh, uh, Google Kim Coates. Uh, you'll recognize him immediately. And... Uh, um, You'll understand why he gravitated to Macho Rules because he is essentially the boy named Stu, and um, this very famous Kim uh, is really into movies and was kind of a crap dad, and um, and kind of a crappy leader.
2: Kim Jong Un. Close. <laughs> Kim Jong Il. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and
3: finally, this semi famous Kim was once married to a rapper with frosted tips.
1: Kim Kardashian.
3: Nope. Kim Baser? No, nope. a famous rapper. Uh with a famous white rapper with bleach blonde hair. That's okay we're not we're we're not cool uh it's a sci-fi podcast we're, we're not cool enough uh,
2: to know about no Robert's we're looking
3: stand. for i was looking for kim mathers which is um well i wouldn't know no okay well it's um oh man m M&M. m yeah Eminem's ms uh first wife so marty wins trivia this week marty Woo-hoo. i will buy you a beer because I don't have any cool well,
2: as, giveaways. Well, that sounds great. I could use a beer. Well, I, as my prize, actually, I will claim uh, asking another Stan question, because you missed the biggest and most obvious Stan in our world. So this famous Stan is Polish, as are many Stans, I suppose, and wrote Too Solaris. <laughs> I have Come no on idea. Guys, he's the, the only and most famous Polish science fiction writer. Um, what else has he written? He's written The Siberiad, His uh, Master's Voice, Fables for Robots.
1: I know him not.
2: Nope, no idea. Stan All right. Stanis,
0: Stanislav, Stanislavian, Stanis. I, I don't know. Well,
2: you're just changing the first name. I'm looking for the last name.
0: Oh. It is Stanislav.
2: Well, they're all Stanislav if they're from Poland anyway. Uh but uh okay, it's Stan Lem. Stan Lem. 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 L E M. Yeah. Solaris, uh what else did he do? I mean, he, uh he's kind of, I mean, I it's he might be the first po- first uh, science fiction I ever read cuz my dad was a was a big uh, fan uh The Tales of e. John Tichy space pilot there's a lot he's got these sort of the siberia is a collection of short stories basically but he's like a really early science fiction writer that was just really far out like his ideas are just like for the time that he was writing in the 50s probably 60s uh he was way ahead of everybody else in terms of thinking of uploaded brains and really philosophical sort of uh, themes in his writing you know stan Lem.
0: Thank you for joining us once again. Next week, David Zendel is with us. If you have not reviewed, liked, subscribed, anything to our show, please do so. Let us know what we're doing right. It helps us to keep making good content. Thank you so much for joining us today. Until next time.